Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. So good to be with you today. We're journeying through the book of Acts and seeing how a group of dedicated followers of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, turned the world upside down. And by upside down, I just mean they were changing lives. And they weren't just changing lives, they were changing the culture all around them. Wouldn't you like to say that about your life? Maybe that's something you've seen before. Maybe it's happening right now. God using you to change the life of others and change the culture that's around you. Not only is it possible, but it's the calling that we have as followers of Christ. I know that you know that. Around the microchurch, we call it being on mission. And today could be the day that you start to see the new that God wants to do through you. Now, if you remember last week, Peter preached the very first sermon at the first church service ever in history, and God showed up big time. Let's jump back into Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I've preached a lot of messages, but none so good that 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. That's crazy and amazing. A day before, the church didn't even exist, and then Peter preaches the first sermon, and bam, a mega church. 3,000 people re- repented. They were baptized. They all said, we're in. We're all about the new that God has for us. We're ready for God to work in and through us. Amen. So the church is born and they were on fire. But just like we know, to experience the new that God had for them, they had to do new. And the following verse shows us the new that they started to do. We're going to look at the habits and the new behaviors of those very first Christ followers that put them in the position for God to do new and amazing things through them. Now, As we look at these habits, I don't think they've changed over time. They're not different today. If we make these habits and behaviors part of our lifestyle, we give God the room to move, to do new things in us and through us as well. So let's jump in and continue in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Start back in verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see the newborn church in its prime right here, learning what it meant to be the church. Isn't it amazing to think that this is where it all started? The church that we're a part of 2,000 years later, still alive and vibrant and changing lives. Why? Because the foundation that was set by the early church. These new behaviors and habits that they devoted themselves to set them up to literally turn the world upside down. 
Hey, a few weeks ago when Tom Brady walked into the Tampa Bay locker room after winning the NFC Championship game, he saw one of his teammates crying tears of joy, which was understandable. What, this, what they had just accomplished was huge, and it was something that no Tampa Bay team had accomplished in close to, I don't know, maybe two decades. For the previous eight years, Tampa had been an absolute train wreck, multiple head coaches, coordinators, and only one winning season. This was an emotional moment, but Brady's reaction was far different from his tearful teammate. The story goes that Brady walked over to his teammate and he said, what are you crying for? We're not done yet. You talk about bringing perspective to the moment. Everybody likes to win, right? Not everybody stays the course though long enough to experience the big win. Now in this case, we're talking about the Super Bowl. They're satisfied with stopping short. Same with our life in Christ. In order to see the new, you've got to start doing new things and that's how this thing works. To experience something new, you've got to do something new. We just celebrated the beginning of a new year and if you're like me, you probably have some resolutions or goals or something that you wanted to accomplish this year. But there's a lot of people. I mean, we're six or seven weeks into this year and you've probably already given up. But hey, look, 2022 is just around the corner, right? We see this in the book of Acts. The image we get of the church was pretty amazing. God was changing lives every day among them. Church wasn't just that weekend event, but rather it was and is God moving every day. Do you want that in your life? Being a part of something bigger than yourself, feeling needed and known, seeing God work in and through you every single day? Of course, that's what we want. And it's not only possible, but we can see that it's right there, ready for you to experience, but you gotta do your part. God has done his part. He did the hard work, in fact. He sent his son to die for you and to save you. Now he's saying, I want, I want to do immeasurably more in your life, but you have to let me. The point is not that you stay really busy doing good things, but that because of your devotion to Jesus, you're focused on the right things for the right reason. The church, that new community, honestly probably felt like family, even though they probably had never met before. It's like when you're comfortable at someone's house, you can just walk over with ease, you're going to their fridge without asking. <laughs> you have someone that calls when they're, you know, someone to call whenever you're hurting. Like the, the old Olive Garden commercial, when you're here, you're family. That's what the church is. Now, when people are saved, they can miss the point that there is something next. Being saved is not the end. Being saved means being given a new life. Let's look at what they were devoted to. Luke wrote very specifically that they devoted themselves. Now, I like this because it's a very strong picture of the attitude of the people. The word devote means this. When you're devoted to something, it means that you continue to do that something with intense effort despite the fact that it's difficult. To devote yourself is to keep on, is to persist on. Devotion can be seen. You see, you don't need to tell me what you're devoted to because it's obvious. If I'm devoted to something in word only, then I'm not truly devoted to it. These people were given a new life and because of that, the scripture says they devoted themselves. Now I've got a friend who said he wants to run a marathon at the end of this year. This isn't something that's new for him. Whenever I first met Chuck, one of the things that impressed me about him was the discipline that he exhibited in his running. 
but it's been a few years, he admitted, since he's run one, and he really wants to get back in running shape. So to experience that new, he had to start doing the new. So getting up early, putting on the miles, uh, eating uh, a little bit better. It's easier to stay in shape than it is to get into shape. Some of you, though, are right in the middle of your goals or resolutions, and you've learned that to experience a new, you've got to do new. For example, if your goal was to fit into those old genes from college, then the new you've needed to do is diet and exercise and maybe a little spiritual discipline of fasting. My friend, in fact, said that he's been fasting between meals and snacks. <laughs> and he said, it's working wonders. I know it's not, it's not funny, but it is true. He did say that. If the new you want, though, to experience was more financial peace this year, then the new you've needed to do is to learn to budget and live within your means. No more $6 lattes, y'all. In order to experience the new, you've got to do the new. That's the point. You've got to put new good habits to work in your life to experience the new that you're hoping for in your life. Now, the first thing we see is that they were devoted to God. We see that they were devoted to God through a few different ways. First, through teaching, biblical teaching. That's what it means when it, means when it says devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learning what the apostles, like Peter, were teaching them as he connected the dots between the Old Testament and the teachings of Jesus. You can't know what you don't know. So their devotion started with learning. One of the ways you know that you're following Jesus is that you have this intense desire to know what Jesus says about your life, and there's a willingness to practice what you learn. Not just learning, but implementing, executing. But it starts with learning something new. The first Christians continued their learning. God designed the church to be a place where his word is explained and understood. A commitment to scripture is foundational to the growth and spiritual health of every church and to every believer. Scripture points to Jesus. Paul described the ongoing process to the evangelist Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he said this, And the things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Simple, clear, and direct. That's why we get together every week. It's to learn God's word so we can live in God's will. Now next, they showed that they were devoted to God through the regular habit of prayer. Now, that was both a public prayer together and private, privately praying. Prayer is nothing more than talking to God, but that's powerful. It's connecting with him. Why is prayer important? Because it fosters that relationship. You see, when you have a relationship with someone, it's about connecting with them and communicating them. Hey, guys, I know you know this, but free advice, you don't have a relationship with your wife if you don't talk to her. Just ask her. I'm right on that one. You may be married, but you're not experienced the fullness of the relationship that you could have. It's the same with God. If you aren't praying, then you're just playing. And likely, probably not experiencing the fullness of that relationship either. Then, breaking bread, communion. The believers joined together, the scripture says in verse 42, in breaking bread. By remembering his sacrifice Christ made for them, they were remembering the blood that was shed for them. And early in the church, communion was done at the end of a meal. But later in Acts, they seem to have come together, especially for the observance of the Lord's Supper. Communion calls for self-examination. It's a time of purging of sin, which 
in turn purifies the church. All right, here are some questions. Are we devoted to listening to God? That's reading scripture. Devoted to talking to God, that's prayer, and remembering his sacrifice and communion. Devotion determines destination. Are you devoted to learning God's word, devoted to prayer? How much time and energy and effort do you make to read the word of God? I love it when people tell me, I have the Bible on my phone, which I think is phenomenally great. But do you read it? Are you devoted to God's word and to prayer? Because what you're devoted to determines the direction of your life. You see, we see that they were first of all devoted to God. And then second, they were also devoted to each other. And this is a big one, don't miss it. Not just to do religious things, but to care and love for each other. These are both signs of health and health promotes growth. The key word we see throughout this text is the word together. You see, this is a natural part of being part of the community of believers. These new Christ followers lived out that command of Jesus in John 13, which I know you know, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another because by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's a significant part of putting mission over me or living at the radical center of God's will. They devoted themselves to being together. And fellowship was so cool because they had separated, they had been separated from the world and even from many of their Jewish brothers who rejected Jesus. And so they came together as family. And God thinks that getting together is such a big deal that scripture teaches us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's in Hebrews chapter 10. You see the simple decision together every week with the church to learn practical lessons from the Bible, to fellowship with others who believe in Jesus and remember Jesus' resurrection can be life-changing. It's the way God designed things to work. They gathered weekly every week. Is that what we do? Is that what you do? Do you have that kind of devotion to Christ and also to the community of believers? Not occasionally, but regularly. I ask because the disciplines we're devoted to determine our destination. So much happens when we make it a habit to just show up. Whenever the, the church is together, our microchurch is together, we experience community. This past year, our nation and our world have experienced being quarantined or isolated, aloneness. I believe that isolation and separation are some of Satan's greatest weapons. And during this past year, he's been able to use them easier for us to just get us, to get us alone. Our environment just made it easier for some of us to isolate. At first, maybe we thought, this is so cool, this is great. I'm alone and nobody's expecting me to be anywhere. Netflix for days. But I say, God didn't build us for isolation. He built us for relationship, for fellowship. But fellowship requires a devotion, a commitment, a desire to be together with others. And what about you personally? Are you devoted to being together with other Christ followers? Or maybe do you have a take it or leave it attitude? 
You see, showing up, when we show up in our homes as part of a microchurch, it's so significant. When we come together as a church family from different backgrounds, uh, races, uh, social status, it's a witness to the world. And it gives, it gives us strength. Only God could bring all of us together. I mean, look around. And being part of a microchurch like this is very special because it's so much more than just a once a week event, right? It's sharing life together, encouraging each other, praying for each other, discussing the word and how it applies to our everyday lives. Bigger conversations really do happen in smaller groups. We know that the Bible doesn't envision the Christian life as one that's lived apart from other believers. It's unnatural to be alone. Today's culture of independent individualism, it's just created many spiritual orphans. And there are some who believe it's possible to be a good Christian, they'll say, without ever joining a church, being a part of a local church, but God would strongly disagree. God believes that the church is so significant that Jesus died on the cross for it. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians. It says, Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. So we see that because they were devoted to God, they were also devoted to each other. They cared about each other. They cared for each other, truly cared for each other. And that's why we see later on in the book of Acts that there were no needs among them. Isn't that beautiful? The call of Christ followers is this. See a need, meet a need. That's true individually of us when we're out and around the city. Pay attention to the tug of God's spirit on your heart as you're moving in and out of society. Give a meal or some clothes or some work for the day for somebody or just slow down long enough to connect with somebody and have a conversation. One Christian man I know fed a homeless man because it was the right thing to do. Even when the store manager said to him, you don't have to do that. And the store manager said, because that guy is always here. The Christian then turned around to the homeless guy and he said, uh, I'm going to get you a meal. Do you, and you can get whatever you want. And then he asked, do you have any friends who might need a meal? And this guy said, uh, actually, yeah, I do have a friend that needs a meal. So he bought two meals. Now listen, if they had a hashtag in the first century, it would have been hashtag see a need, meet a need. In the early church, they were devoted to each other. Our devotion determines our destination. Are you devoted to what they were devoted to? And don't kid yourself. We're all devoted to something. The question that you and I have to answer is this. What are you devoted to? So what are your next steps? Let's revisit what it means to devote yourselves to something. The word devote means this. We'll say this again. When you're devoted to something, you continue to do something with intense effort, despite difficulty. Remember, I said devotion can be seen. I wanna say it another way. Devotion can't be hidden, at least not forever. And devote yourself daily. Start today, then do it again tomorrow, and do it again the next day. Living at the radical center of God's will is a daily affair. They met daily in the temple court, daily, every day. Devote yourself daily, every day. Devote yourself, do something every day, and before long, you're gonna see results. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you devoted yourself to the disciplines of knowing God's word, fellowship, breaking bread, and to prayer? As you think about the new that God wants to do in you and through you, 
Are you ready to do the new to prepare for that? That's the question. To experience the new, you've got to do the new. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you because of the example that those early Christians set for us. I thank you, Father, that you saved so many, so radically from my point of view, and yet we realize that every life that is redeemed, that is saved, is just as precious and just as, well, if I can use the word radical, as the last. And Father, I pray you will use us Pray, Father, that we will devote ourselves to these simple practices that will not settle for good enough or for things as they've always been. Father, use us, fill us with your Holy Spirit that you might be glorified in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.